Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. And welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you on a journey into the Crucible for a fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its community, and of course, the excitement of Discovery. I am still somehow here, your generic Brit, Ed, and uh, I am joined, as always, by the less generic and more fantastical Zach Armstrong. Zach, how are you doing, mate? Uh, in defense of uh, USA's opinion of people with your accent, Ed, none of us find you generic. We all are weirdly fascinated with the way you talk, just like generally in anybody who talks like you, just so you're aware. Absolutely. Well, well, you know, like, I actually had tea with Prince Charles earlier because we all know each other here. Oh, you wow. Know? Um, oh, of absolutely. course. Of course. And, and I, I would say if you weren't, yeah. if you weren't happily partnered, you, you, you would do well in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you haven't even met me, Zach. <laughs> and you're propositioning me like this? This is shocking. <laughs> hey, I'm not propositioning you. I'm just saying. That's exactly what they I'm just saying say. that if you say my name is Ed Pocock and I have a Keyforge podcast, is just, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Things happen. No, normally, the surname puts people off. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did include it just for that reason. Just for that reason. Um, oh, hang on, Zach. It's not just the two of us today. We actually have a guest with us. We do. What? That's crazy. We don't have guests since when was this an interview show? We are delighted to be joined once more. He has not run away yet uh, by Carlo from. The uh, the board game channel, all you can board. Uh, Carlo, how you doing? Nice to have you back. Yeah, not too bad, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be back. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, actually. It's today is a good day. Today is a good day. Although it's a little bit too close to Monday morning for me. Anyway, um, let's talk about this deck uh, because it is quite a deck, isn't it? Um, so. Would you like to introduce this deck, Carlo? Tell us, what's the deck called? What houses are in it? Give us a bit of a flavor. Sure. All right. So this deck is called Nova Drab, the Braggart of Strategy. So it is the second deck I've ever opened uh, when I first got into the game. It's got my three favorite houses from Call of the Archons, which are uh, Logos and Mars, which are probably my two favorite houses in the game, as well as Dis. Um the only deck I've opened that has that combination of three houses and it's certainly not one of my best decks like nowhere near um, in fact I think early on and not to say that SAS scores everything but I know that in the first few uh, editions of the SAS rankings it had a terribly low rating it's kind of gone up um, 
since then, I think just because of, you know, some of the, the board control and artifact control and such. Um, but overall, I think the SAS ranking of 62 is even a little generous. Uh, I think it most people would uh, would find it pretty tough to win with. And yeah, it's I just find it's the most interesting deck I have. It's the toughest to play around. And um, it's just the one that gives me the toughest decisions over and over. And it doesn't matter how many times I play the deck. I feel like I'm still learning about it. I'm still faced with just excruciating decisions every single game uh, based on not only what I'm drawing, but also the deck I'm playing against. So there's only 11 creatures um, and only one of them in Mars. So I have, you know, out of those 12 Mars cards, there's literally only one creature. Uh, and then there's four in Dis and six in Logos. There are 17 actions, six artifacts, and two upgrades. Wow. There's a single Dominator in Mars. And that's just fascinating to me. I know I've known decks like this existed and called the Archons, especially with um, the kind of creature-less or creature-low Mars houses are kind of especially famous, but this is this is fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, and a lot of the cards in Mars play off of having creatures, so it really makes it tough. Like, you know, I know a lot of people... Mar- Mars was probably my favorite house right off the first set. I know a lot of people uh, really did not like Mars because there were decks like this where the Mars feels like it's kind of broken in a bad way or it feels like it's really tough to play around, and this is probably the the toughest or least powerful Mars set that I have in any of my Mars decks, but there's just something that keeps bringing me back to this deck because of how challenging it is to, to win with. And it's, it, there's so many just anti-synergies or cards that just don't work together. Yeah, and I, but I suppose if you really do know this deck inside and out, Carlo, you can truly become the braggart of strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well played, wow. sir, well played. Wow. So uh, the context that you play this deck in, is this something where you're playing Keyforge with a friend and you say, hey, I'm going to play a deck. It's not great, but play whatever you want because I kind of want to throw myself against the rocks and, and see how well I can do. Is like what, what's, what's the context in which you find yourself diving into this deck to really enjoy how complicated it is? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, the, at first, it was I think I literally lost the first like 10 or 12 games, maybe even 14 games or so that I played with this deck. Like It took so long to even get my first win. So part of it at the start was just like my stubbornness at wanting to like prove that it wasn't just awful like when is part of it was like when people online were talking about like oh i just got a terrible deck i'll never play this again and part of it was like me wanting to prove to myself and maybe a little bit to other people that like even the worst decks even the toughest decks like can be figured out um especially because this one has so many like situational cards and they're there if you look at just certain cards on their own um there's some standout really powerful cards it's just a matter of getting them to to work properly so um yeah nowadays it's sort of just when i'm looking for you know something to really challenge me a deck that's kind of when when i have the uh let's say the the mental capacity to play kind of like a brain burning deck this is automatically the one i go to or if i'm playing with someone who's new to keyforge and i want to set myself somewhat of a, a handicap like rather than implementing chains i just usually play with this deck against someone new and if it's a deck that you enjoy playing anyway then um then you can have a lot of fun whilst teaching someone else and not feeling f- sort of frustrated that you're not playing a game you want to be playing Absolutely. I don't have to hold back at all, but I also, like you said, yeah, I'm still having a blast. So, I mean, putting your finger on it, aside from the lack of creatures, what makes this deck not just a kind of average deck? What makes it complex? What what gives it that sort of cutting edge that means you want to keep coming back, the addictivity of it? 
So it's um, it has a couple of the most, in my opinion, some of the most interesting cards in the game, which um, we're going to get to afterwards, I imagine, but like stuff like Strange Gizmo and Martians Make Bad Allies. Um, these are some really interesting cards that can be so powerful. Like, there's this kind of spectrum. Like, some cards are just, like, kind of always good. Like, something like Virtuous Works, for example. You just you play, you gain three amber. It's always pretty good, right? But there are cards in this deck that sometimes they're terrible for me, or they're just kind of average, or they don't do much, and other times they win me the game. And it's that kind of, like, wide spectrum of how bad or good or effective, how much can this card suddenly maybe, like, save me the game, um, is what makes it so interesting. And even when you look at the bonus amber, if you're looking at this on Decks of Keyforge, it says it has 14 bonus amber, but there's a few of those cards where something like Keyhammer, for example, like, half the time I'm going to have to discard the card and not even play it, so I'm not even going to get that bonus amber. So even the expected or bonus amber it doesn't always seem worth it or achievable to me. Um, and then you look at the speed of the deck on Decks of Keyforge is among the lowest of any deck I have. Yeah, it's just, and even the, the effective power on the board with the low creatures is so low. Like, there's just, it, it feels like everything is working against me when I play this deck. Yeah, I see what you mean with saying there's just so many situational cards here. Like, you have the Battle Fleet, which lets you draw more cards for Mars cards you have. Then the Martians make bad allies, which, like, in theory, you could purge most of your creatures in one go. <laughs> and just right. play with, like, the artifacts and... and um and uh just play with the the artifacts and action cards like it's it's just fascinating uh have have you uh tried playing this in in like uh, adaptive or reversal or is is the 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 educational pushing the rock up the hill playing it just straight up against another deck kind of how you how you experience it the most you know what i i played it uh in a sort of reversal type format um, I, I mean, I played it against a couple of my friends who just wanted to try it out, and they just said, they're like, I don't know how you play this deck. It's it's terrible. This doesn't seem fun at all. Like, people don't <laughs> seem to really, like, understand or appreciate the uh, enjoyment of, of playing it or how to really win with it. Uh, and the other thing would be one time I played it on the Crucible, and uh, it was after I had gotten pretty familiar with the deck and was actually starting to, like, win some games with it. And I think yeah. I beat someone fairly handily with it, and they said something along the lines of, like, like oh cheap deck or like basically they implied that i like stole it from someone else like oh you're just playing some other with some person's deck and i'm like <laughs> i just suggest them like rematch swap decks and they were like yeah sure <laughs> and then like they did terribly and, and to their credit at the end of the game they did say they're like hey fair enough like this deck is trash i don't know how you did that <laughs> right i just said right. it, it's practice it's the only like there's no way uh -huh. i was you know i told them like i lost almost every single game for the first like 20 games mm. i played like you have to practice with this deck to know it until looking at this deck list, I didn't know that FromSoft made Keyforge decks, but this really does look like a Souls-like type Keyforge deck, <laughs> you know. And 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 we all know with those kind of games that you throw your controller against the wall, um, you sort of go, "Why?" You have an existential crisis, and then you hit that sweet spot where you actually get the win um, before you, you go into your next stage of absolute chaos and misery and the, the cycle repeats. But for you, have you been able to topple any Titans with this deck? Are there any sweet spot moments like that, that have uh, aside from the one you've just recounted that, um, that, you know, really were sort of punch the air um, moments? 
honestly, I can't think of any specific example. Like, I, I've played against decks where, you know, I play against them and I look online and I see, like, how much higher the SAS score is. Or, you know, I look it up and it might have some power level already attributed to it. Like, it's won some games in a tournament. And that always feels really good to beat some of those good decks. But uh, I can't say I honestly have, like, a particular uh, story or memory about, like, taking down a sort of, um, you know, Goliath-type deck. Yeah, it sounds like this... Uh... This might be to, um, I know you're fond of a particular Michael Jordan quote about <laughs> how to succeed. This this uh, might maybe feels like your Michael Jordan deck then. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, this is a good shout out right there, Zach. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, this basically epitomizes that quote. The, the, the quote uh, for, for those who, who didn't have it float to mind, and I, I discovered this through uh, Carlo's uh, I think I'd heard it once before, but it's hit most meaningfully hearing it from Carlo at the end of the Mulligan video on All You Can Board's YouTube channel. And the quote is, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. Uh, for context, for those who don't know, Michael Jordan, most famous uh, USA basketball player of all time. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. So... Uh, I'm seeing that philosophy, Carlo, in how have you approached this deck because you said this deck is complicated. If I have to oversimplify, I would say this deck is not good, but I'm going to play this deck because I like to figure it out. And there's going to be that really rewarding moment where you do start to beat decks that piloted by anybody else. This deck would not beat because you've learned it and you know, you know how to navigate it. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, there's there's a certain level of like it makes me play Keyforge in a like there's things it makes me do that I would never do with any other deck. Like mm. you know mm. people always say like I remember when I started off playing the game and I would read stuff online people were always like it never makes sense to hold on to cards just like if you're not going to play it discard it get it later you don't want to take up hand space. And I know there's some kind of a bit of disagreement with that nowadays, but um there's often times where I like it doesn't feel like it makes sense but i'm just going to hold this card and then it ends up actually paying off for me um or sometimes where i'll pick the same house over and over and over uh in this case dis because i've got two dominator bobbles and a lash of broken dreams in play and i've got my only you know i don't have many creatures in the deck but i have a few logos ones out there so i can get by on just taking dis using the dominator bobbles using these other creatures in play and using my lash of broken dreams to keep forcing my opponent to have more expensive keys even though i'm not drawing any new cards and i'm not furthering my my board and it just there's so many decisions that feel counterintuitive that just feel so wrong but that's part of what makes me keep coming back to it is because again it challenges the way i think about the game almost every time i play it no that's a, that's amazing uh, you don't have any um top of the titan moments but what is your most memorable play with this deck most memorable play oof, would probably be i had a game once where i had so i talked about strange gizmo before and and martians make bad allies so I had a game once where I had, I think I was at my, I had one key forged and I was kind of getting close. I had enough amber that, you know, I was getting kind of close to my second key. And uh, I think my opponent kind of had me on the back foot. They had a really, really strong board. And I think I played Logos, put out the strange gizmo, 
And so here's the thing. I talked about the double Dominator Bobble and Lash of Broken Dreams and how, like, that's... If I don't get those artifacts out, there's basically no way I'm going to win with this deck. Like, it's not strong enough without... The, like, those three artifacts and discs are so key because they're, you know, they allow me to do other stuff with the other houses when I'm, you know, to have those strong turns. And I had a game where I was on that, you know, had that first key. I was going for the second key. I got over the top with Logos played my strange gizmo and i had archived cards throughout the game like i have the two biomatrix backups in mars but because i only have the one creature in mars like it's rare you know i'm not gonna a lot of the time those biomatrix backups have to be played um on you know my logos or disc creatures so i had a bunch of those that had died off throughout the game i kept just like building up my archive and then i had a turn where i played that strange gizmo my opponent, I don't think, like, was able to stop it, so it came back to my turn. I forged the key, wiped the entire board of cards. Um, they had, like, a massive board. They were just going to basically reap to win. And on my next turn, like, or that turn right after I had forged, I had a, in my hand Battle Fleet with some other Mars cards, including uh, Martians Make Bad Allies. So I played the Battle Fleet, drew up a bunch of cards, and picked up my archive, and then used, like, not only did I get, you know, the amber from battle fleet and a couple i think like maybe deep probe or one of the squawkers or whatever but then yeah. i also had drawn the archive of all those creatures that i had archived and then the martians make bad allies gave me that huge amber spike and it was one of those ones where like if you had just if you walked up to the table and this was being played at a tournament and you looked at my board and their board and what the state of the game was like you would have never bet money on me winning right like there's yeah. there's no conceivable way that that would have happened um but just like the combination of wiping their board and then having the exact, you know, non-Mars creatures archive that I needed to trigger that massive Amber Spike with the Martians Make Bad Allies just kind of swung the game. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. That's yeah, and awesome. I wish it had been face-to-face because when you play a game like that on the Crucible and you're just kind of like alone in your basement, you're like, yeah, and you kind of look around <laughs> and you're like, whew, I wish someone was here to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, certainly, certainly. I guess that, I guess that's what uh, screenshots are for. <laughs> but yeah, certainly not the same as if that uh, that happens across from a real live person. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. So, uh, my goodness, uh, we, we usually ask. Uh, we we have these lists of questions we ask for these 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 decks for for deck discovery episodes, and so many of them. I'm like, this doesn't really apply because of the way Carlo plays this deck. <laughs> um, but uh, one of my favorite questions we go to, um, and I think it applies to to this deck quite well, is uh, kind of what card gives you the, the hardest choice in a deck. So uh, is, is there a particular card that uh, the decision space around the card uh, is always kind of a bit of a, a head scratcher every time, every time it comes up? Uh, uh, it's hard to pinpoint one. Um, it might be all of them. You can pick all 36 <laughs> simultaneously, to be honest. No, you know what? Here, I'll try and narrow it down to maybe two or three here. One that I haven't talked about yet that is a really tough one is EMP Blast. So mm. uh, that is gain an amber, um, and then the playability is each Mars creature and each robot creature is stunned. Each artifact is destroyed. So I only have one Mars creature again, so Exilix Dominator, and I only have one robot creature, I believe, which is Batrome. So at most, I might stun two of my own creatures, but, you know, usually it's going to be zero or one. But the each artifact is destroyed part is what really challenges me because it depends which artifacts, like it depends how artifact-heavy my opponent's deck is and what those artifacts are doing to me, but also how powerful are my own artifacts and then also 
at what like how much of my deck have I gone through? Can I afford to like if it's early in the game, but I manage to get out those you know Dominator Bobbles, Lash of Broken Dreams, even Anomaly Exploiter can be really useful at times. If I have those out early and I destroy them with this EMP blast, it's going to take a while for me to, for, to go through my deck and have them get shuffled back in again. Whereas if it's late in the game and my deck is almost empty, I've only got a couple cards left in the draw pile, maybe I can afford to do it because if they get shuffled back in, maybe I can get them back out, but I have to weigh that against, like, am I playing that because it's so important that I get rid of my opponent's artifacts, or do I need that extra one amber from the card to put my opponent in check? Um, or sometimes it helps me get rid of my own strange gizmo when in the odd case, let's say I got my gateway to dis out and I managed to wipe the board of creatures, and I always have fewer creatures than my opponents, so the gateway to dis is almost always going to benefit me. So if I played the gateway to dis and they don't have artifacts out, but I played the strange gizmo before just to get the amber, maybe I do want to play the EMP blast to get rid of my strange gizmo before it wipes, you know, some of my own. I guess if I would have played the gateway to dis previously, I might have had had my creatures off the board before but it's just like the, the timing of these cards is is so crucial um and then i'm also going to highlight martians make bad allies again because that's one where you know depending which creatures i have in my hand or do i really need these in play or again if i have those dominator bobbles out do i really want to purge my own creatures like then the dominator bobbles become less useful throughout the game so um it just feels like there's so many of these cards that just like i have to sit there puzzling out everything like what's in my deck what's in my opponent's deck what's in my discard pile what's the situation with the amber who you know what are the odds that you know i'm going to get these artifacts back again etc um yeah it's just again it, it just burns my brain every time i play with this deck and how does this deck fare against some of the later sets so i imagine it maybe struggles uh, a little bit more against board-heavy decks, or am I completely barking up the wrong tree? That's a very British phrase, I think. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's hard to say because most of my, I would say a good probably 80% of my plays with it were in the first year or two that I was into the game. So a lot of my experience with this deck is against Call of the Archons and um, Age of Ascension with, with some Worlds Collide as well. And I've played it a few times in the last maybe year or two against some of the newer sets, but... I, I've noticed the SAS ranking has gone up over time, and I think that might be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like maybe it's because, like, board wipes, like, especially with, like, let's say Saurian, you know, has, like, such a strong board presence, so, like, something like Gateway to Dis feels like it's now stronger than ever. Uh, in Call of the Archons, it was a lot of Amber Racing and that sort of thing. Um, I, I feel like it's able to sort of maybe, I don't know, swing the game in my favor a little more against these newer decks um just because of something like not only gateway to dis i mean even stuff like you know mind barb getting them to discard cards like slowing them down it seems like it's harder for your opponents to like generally the decks have less like free or easy amber game so i feel like nowadays like i play i look sometimes against the deck like recently i played a couple games on the crucible and see my opponent's deck list and i think oh those look like a lot of good cards and i am expecting to lose or expecting to struggle and as the game goes on i start realizing that I was able to get rid of a lot of their cards that would generate a lot of amber. Um, even something like Deep Probe, which is like one of those cards where, you know, you always have to look at, okay, what's their creature distribution? What have they already discarded and or, or whatnot? And there's times where I end up using the Deep Probe thinking, okay, they're close enough to getting their second or third key. Which creatures can give them the most power like some of those ones like Fuzzy Gruen and whatnot. And even though that might be in a long shot that they only have like 
you know, however many of those creatures in their hand. Sometimes I'm playing that deep probe, and that's the difference of making them discard, uh, you know, a card that could gain them a lot of amber. So from from what I've seen, like, again, I was just getting destroyed all the time when playing this against Call of the Archons decks in the past, and I've gotten better over time with the deck, but it's hard to say if that's based on playing newer decks or just getting getting better with it. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. One one more question for you, Carlo, before we uh, before we head off. Keyhammer, love it or hate it? <laughs> oh, much closer to hate than love. Uh, there's been the odd <laughs> there's <laughs> been the odd game here where where it helps me out because when I was saying before that I have those sometimes sequences in a game where I feel like I have to go dis over and over. Sometimes what lets me break that cycle and let my opponent, like, let's say I go dis a few turns in a row and I stall and stall and stall, but I've got like a bunch of Logos or Mars cards in my hand and I just, I can't get anything else out on the board. Sometimes Key Hammer is what lets me then, you know, um, let my opponent forge so that I can then play Key Hammer. Like I'll, t- I'll take one turn off of this, let them forge, and then I'll play the Key Hammer and the Lash of Broken Dreams. So every once in a while, you know, the Dominator Bobble's on board or letting me use my, like, Brain Eater to attack or my Quicks of the Adventurer or, or whatever to, like, draw a card. And I might even draw up the Key Hammer, and then that lets me take a turn to, like, add more of my or dump my hand out of more Logos or Mars cards to then go back to Disc. So it's the card that I, like, usually hate, but every once in a while I feel bad for hating it because <laughs> it can sometimes save me. But honestly, I would say Martian Hounds is probably the worst card in the deck. What? Because, really? Because I have so few creatures, and you know, it just it. I I find it rarely does anything for me. Almost uh, every game, I I can think of the last maybe ten times I've played with this deck. I don't think Martian Hounds has ever done anything for me. I mean, House Mars as a whole doesn't really do anything oh, for me. Wow, so them, them spiky All right, okay. All right. <laughs> easy now. Okay. We talked about this. We talked about this. I've stayed. I've stayed stoic for the whole episode. I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it. Right at the end, there. This is a deck I could talk about all day, every day. But uh, in terms of what's, uh, in terms of what's most, uh, you know, most interesting about it or most worth discussing, I think we pretty much covered it. It's, uh, yeah, this is this is the type of deck that brings me back to Keyforge. Um, this is the type of, you know, people talk about sometimes the value of the deck from like a financial perspective. Um, and this is the type of deck that brings me back to like the value. This is something that when I first played it, I thought, oh, this is a deck that I might just get rid of one day because it's not very good. And now, like if I could only keep, let's say, three or four decks of the, you know, 30 or 40 or so that I've opened, like this is absolutely one that I would keep because the value to me and like the enjoyment it has brought me. And the amount of time I've invested in the game and the way it's kind of like expanded my mind and the way I think about the game, there's no other deck I have that sort of has done that for me. So it's just interesting the kind of like journey it has helped bring me on as a Keyforge player as well. Mm. Oh, that that's is awesome. really cool. That that's is awesome. really cool. Every deck has a story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Apart yes. from the unloved decks that sit in everyone's cupboard. You know the ones I'm talking about, listener. You know the ones. Short it out. <laughs> But that deck could be their very own Nova Drab, the braggart of strategy, if they just give it a chance. But you'll never know if you don't it's give true. it a chance. <sighs> it's true. 
Oh, well, uh, Carlo, thank you so much for coming back to talk about Novadrab, the braggart of strategy. Uh, we, we had a, a great time diving into this deck, and uh, I've got to compliment you. You brought an extremely interesting deck that you have a ton of great experience with, and I think it was one of, uh, for, for me, it was one of the more intriguing conversations we've had we've had around uh, decks people have brought. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks for saying that. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. And uh, of course, if they didn't catch it last time, Carlo, uh, where can people find you? Uh, best place would be go to YouTube and punch in All You Can Board. It's a YouTube channel that I run with my cousin Dylan, uh, mostly focusing on board games, but we do cover a decent amount of Keyforge as well as Marvel Champions, the card game. Fantastic. If you yeah, if you play any other games besides Keyforge, uh, I think you're going to have plenty of things to enjoy over at All You Can Board, certainly. And dear listener, if you're enjoying Call of Discovery, please make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app of choice. That way you can hear us as soon as we hit the podcast sphere. And if you're new to Keyforge, make sure you visit that new player guide at Archon Arcana, the Keyforge wiki, which we have linked below, where you can get started on your own unique journey into this wonderful game. Maybe you'll even find your own Novadrab. If you're looking to support us monetarily, you can visit our Patreon linked below where you can sign up to support us and enjoy rewards like our exclusive Discord where we get a lot of topics and questions for the show, as well as access to our exclusive Patreon-only behind-the-scenes podcast, Beyond Discovery. Let us know what you'd like to see more or less of in future shows by interacting with us across all of social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or send us an email at podcast at callofdiscovery.com. But most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery? Discovery.